five, scores! Rick Five. We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Five. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Welcome, everyone, to episode 97 of the Squid and Ultimate Leaf Fan Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Joining me as always, my winger, Ricky Squid Vibe. Squid, how are we keeping? Wow, 97. 97, how about that? We're getting up there. I tell you, we are. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. Uh, played a little golf this morning. It was a little rainy and misty, but it didn't rain real hard, so uh, we got through. Well, 97 guys who are willing to speak to us. And, yeah. You know, that, that, that's something in itself, Squid. Um, <laughs> but our guest today, number 97, was taken second overall in the 1980 draft by the Winnipeg Jets, two years after his older brother Wayne had been taken third overall by St. Louis, enjoying 19-year career with stops in Hartford, Vancouver, Philly, and L.A., during a career scoring 142 goals, 581 assists, 723 points, playing 1,195 games, 62 points and 114 playoff games to boot. I think that's a pretty good resume to, for a National Hockey Leaguer, I would say. Yeah, so I let's welcome Dave back. Hey, Squid, that's yeah, not I bad. I would say that's pretty darn good. And if you haven't figured out by now, the, our guest is Dave Babbage. Dave, first off, thanks for joining us, and how you doing? Well, not bad, not bad. I'm kind of hurt that I am I am the 97th, you know, instead of like in top 10, but that, that's the way she goes. <laughs> hey, Dave, so uh, we, how you keeping? Go ahead, Squid. Before we get going, Dave, I got a question. I know you came for a golf tournament up in Muskoka, and then you went to Moncton, where I was. Have you ever received your bags? I did a few days ago. So... When we were, oh, at, did you? When I, yeah, when I was, well, my my suit suitcase uh, from Toronto to Moncton took two weeks to get, and then uh, my <laughs> hockey bag was sent from here to Moncton, so I didn't have to drag it around all over the country. Uh, it took three weeks, and um, I was hoping the hockey stuff would uh, would kind of disappear, so I, so I didn't have to play anymore. But but no, I I, I honestly, I, it was the first time I was really glad to see my uh, my bag show up. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it was it was quite an ordeal. I had to borrow some equipment when I was in Moncton, and you know yeah. you know what it's like when you're borrowing somebody else's skates and and other things. And I'm like I'm like no guys, that's that's not going to work. The, the skates were about five sizes too big. I was stuffing socks in the toe, and, <laughs> and, and you know, and so I, it wasn't like I was planning on flying around the rink, but um, I made it through. I made it through. The guys in Moncton were so great that I, uh, I, I had to give it a give it an effort anyway. Now, uh, Dave, now Dave, away from uh, doing the charity stuff is good. What, how are you keeping busy these days? Oh, I got all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, I, I, I do some investor relations for some public companies out here. Just uh, some friends asked me to join actually just, just before COVID hit. And I, you know, I was, I was, I was doing a few, a few other things, but uh, you know, it just happened to come at a, at a good time and uh, you know, had some openings of what I was doing. I, I actually have a wine out uh, in this neck of the woods in BC through uh, through a winery called desert Hills out in the Okanagan. Mm -hmm. Um 
just have one right now. It's just a red. It's, it's actually, uh, it's pretty good. Every time I, I bring, uh, you know, a couple of cases here, you know, for myself, now my kids are old enough that every time they go to a barbecue or somebody else's place, they think it's a, it's a great idea to take my wine. Um, but you know, I think they're, you know, they do it because, you know, it's, it's, it's called, you know, Babbage family state winery. It's, it's you know, just a name on the bottle, but it's, uh, I think they're, they're proud of it just as, as I am. And, um, you know, it's funny, we, we, we have a, a like, a some, some spices coming out, some barbecue spices uh, that, oh. that are that are just about to right. release here, and uh, so that's another one. Babbage Brothers, you know, <laughs> steak season. So Babbage and, wines and the and the spices. So you, yeah. you work up an appetite with the spices and wash it down with the red wine. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and you know you don't get a body like this from uh, from cutting back, uh, you know, on you know not from salads, that's for sure. It's body by gravy, but uh, anyway. Well, that's right, fantastic. So yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good uh, adventure to be keep going forward with. But uh, do, uh, did you have any time to watch the playoffs this year? And if so, what did you think of how things shaped up? Uh, I did, I did, and I oh, it was terrific. I, you know, it was uh, it was hockey you wanted to see. You, you know what it's like, uh, you know, Rick. That you know you 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 do like seeing the old Hudson Bay rules every once in a while. You know, and uh, <laughs> where where guys are actually having to fight through checks and, and things like that. Uh, you know, some of the free wheel and stuff is, you know, whether whether those positions and, and scoring chances are earned, you're not sure. But every once in a while, you need a, you know, an old Gordie Howe chop or a little hook here or there or whatever, a little face rub. Uh, as long as nobody gets hurt, you know, it's all good. I, 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 but I really enjoyed it. I thought the finals were were terrific. It's the same thing, you know. It's a little bit of luck here or there, a bounce, a, you know, a questionable call or whatever you want to call it, and. You know they do. Uh, they do t- dictate uh, the outcomes of games. Yeah, I kind of, I, I really enjoyed it because, like you said, I, I like to, I like to see kind of like you said the Hudson Bay rules where anything goes. And um, I mean that was our regular season when in the eighties, and you know I mean that, that's how all the games were played. And then in the playoffs, it just got even increased even more and. Uh, you know, taking cross checks in front of the net like crazy, and uh, the one thing I I try to explain to the young guys that are playing today or kids is that back when we played, like when they dunk, if they dumped it in your corner, you just held that four checker up, put them right against the wall. Your partner went back and got it and moved it up, and then you're you're out of the zone. But uh, you can't do that now. Except no. in the except in the Stanley Cup Finals, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, we used to have like you know probably at least a couple seconds to hold them up, and and if sorry, and if your partner was sleeping, it would be his fault, you know, yeah, like, that um, that he got run, um, or you know, it, it was your fault for not holding up enough. But <laughs> but I remember, you know, like you know, you wake up in the morning, and like I said, it 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 was every game that. Um, you wake up in the morning the next day and if you didn't have stick burns on your arms and things like that, you know, it really means you didn't participate in the game really because nobody, nobody was trying to slow you down or nobody was trying to get you or, but uh, kind of made you feel alive. I, I wish, I wish I could feel that way now, but uh, yeah, not the case. <laughs> nobody to hit and nobody, to, nobody to hit you. 
Well, we've, we've talked a lot of the players a lot about the changes in the game from your era to the era today. So I'd like you to touch on that for a second. But another question I'll pose to go along with that is, and we've asked this several times, and we seem to get the common answer from the guys that as far as ability-wise and skill, the top six forwards from your era and the top four D-men were equal to today outside of the obvious superstar. But the bottom six forwards and bottom four D today we're light, are light years better than back in your era. And maybe not light years, but so much better. And the divide between even a fourth liner and a first liner is minimal in today's game. Uh, yeah. Would you agree well, with that? But you know what? It's it's funny. Uh, you know, they're, I mean, they, they train individual skill. That's that's how they're brought mm-hmm. up. And, and that's mm-hmm. uh, whether that's good or bad. I mean, they're, they're, the skill set is it, it's certainly different. Uh but I think our, I think roles were defined a little bit more before. Now now you're you're getting kids that are scoring 50, 60 goals in junior, and their their role is, you know, it becomes a checker. And if they don't accept the role, you know, next guy, and yeah. um, and they are more skilled. But but it's you know it's funny, the same guys are scoring goals. Top guys are scoring the goals. You know, the other guys, the third and fourth line guys, they they can shoot as hard as anybody. Um, in practice, they can hit any corner they want, but when it comes game time, you know, the, the same guys mm-hmm. are scoring the goals and, um, you know, no matter how hard they shoot or how fast they skate. Yeah. I think the skill level of, of a lot of these guys is incredible, but what do you think would have happened in, in, in 83 or 84, if someone had to try to lacrosse goal? <laughs> well, I, I, I know what Tiger would have done. <laughs> he would have chased him around the rink. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. If somebody would have done that, they they would be looking up at the lights for sure, celebrating because they they would have got their head ripped off, you know, pretty much. Well, Billy, I could just imagine someone doing that to Billy Smith. Like, oh, jeez. I mean, I mean, he would just take his stick and break break it over their arms. I mean, it would be, and and there would be no suspension probably. <laughs> Well, it'd be like two minutes for slashing or something. But 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 you know what? In, in saying that, I I don't think with with Billy or Hexy, you know, they wouldn't have the opportunity to do that because that that stick would have been halfway around the net already with the one hand swing, you know. And uh, um, you know, I mean, hey, it's 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 fun to watch on highlights, but but you know, I mean, we we all know that uh, you know those are highlights and. You know, the, the many moves are tried during the game, and which go sideways, and but they're never seen. Uh, I, I know if we ever tried that when we were playing, first of all, you know, we'd be sat in the bench and, and going, yeah. don't ever do that again. Uh, even you know, even some of the back passes that that the you know some of the D are doing or the forwards to the D, you're just like, well, what are you doing? Like, it, it, you wouldn't play the rest of the game. Um, yeah. So obviously, the you know the coaching is different and. Uh, yeah, they're they're a little more liberal with some of the top players because you know they're they're throwing pizzas up the middle. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, and you know it's exciting when you see a breakaway going the other way. But but you know the guys don't get sat, you know, making a mistake like that. Now, yeah, well, Dave, yeah. Well, I was going to say to you. Well, actually, I remember even back here as early as 2000, Pat Quinn when Kyle Wildwood came up and he went, he played an exhibition game and they had to shoot out after, and he went in and pulled the puck behind his back and bounced it off his skate and shot it in the net like a trick move and scored. 
And they asked Pat Quinn after what he thought of that. He said, well, he's lucky he scored, but if he tries that again, after he's looking up at me, he'll be sitting on the bench. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you know what? Well, he was here, and, and he, he, he still lives in Vancouver, and, and uh, he plays with us once in a while on, on some of our, our games we do, you know, all over BC. Unbelievable skill. He could have some of the best hands I've ever seen. But... Um, yeah, that was. Uh, I, I could see Pat doing that because Pat was uh, he was a meat and potatoes guy, and he, you know, he let he, he let some guys play. You know, he had you know Pavel Bure and McGillney and, and some of these guys, you know, dangling, and um, you know sometimes you got to let them play. But in saying that, he he picked his spots, and w- when he said something, and if you know if Welly if Welly heard him. You know, he, he wouldn't do it again, that's for sure. Well, I mean, this is a kid trying to make the team. This isn't a guy already established. This is a guy trying to make a team, and he's pulling yeah, stuff yeah. like this. So that's the new world. But now, speaking of all that, Dave, let's go back. Yeah. You're born in Edmonton. Talk about life growing up playing hockey right up into your junior years. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Edmonton was, was a little chilly in the wintertime. Uh, <laughs> we, um, you know, we would, we would play street hockey. I know even – you know, everyone talks about, sorry, about, uh, you know, Walter Gretzky building a rink for Wayne in the backyard. And we had the same thing, you know, that was our, that was our garden in the summer and it uh, was our rink in the, in the winter. But then we had an outdoor rink about uh, probably two blocks from our house. And uh, midwinter, you could, you could pretty much skate to the rink because they've never closed, you know, never cleaned the streets properly just because there was so much snow yeah. and, and it was so cold. So, you know, all you had to do is kind of uh, make sure you, you missed the, the tire ruts and, and you could get there with your skates on. So it would be a lot easier putting your skates on at home and skating over there than uh, putting it on there and freezing your fingers off by, by tying your skates. But I remember, um, you know, I probably, I think I started skating at two and a half in our backyard. And, uh, you know, my dad wasn't a big hockey player, but he coached us and, uh, but he just thought, Hey, it's, that's the thing to do. Keep us busy. Um, I remember even our, the outdoor rink, I would, I was always the one I wanted to be there first in the mornings because, you know, at night, you know, it'd be, it'd be like that, uh, shampoo commercial, you know, you, you, you'd phone a friend and, 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 and they would, they would phone a friend and so on and so on. And then all of a sudden there's 50 kids at the rink and we're all just playing shitty. It didn't matter how old you were or how young you were. Uh, I remember when I was younger, they would put me in net and we'd use a, you know, the old sponge puck. Of course it would get yeah. frozen. And a couple of times you get hit in the old gabotes there and, and it, you know, you'd cringe, but you never wanted to leave the game, you know? And, and then, uh, you know, soon after when you could, you know, you could start participating, you did. And, and the only, the only thing it cost you was um, you'd have to clean the ice. So everyone would grab a shovel. Everyone had to take, you know, shovel the snow off the ice. And then right after that, uh, the caretaker would come and flood the ice. And, and you know, you'd see how, how nice and shiny it was. And that's that's when even before school or on the weekends, I wanted to be the first one out there. And it, it was usually, I don't know, when, when, when the sun was coming up, uh, you know, you just get out there in that fresh ice. Um, and then, of course, you know, same thing. All everyone would start showing up again, and uh, and and the saddest part of all that was in the springtime when, um, you know, when the snow was was melting because of all the pucks you would lose. Of course, you know, back then we were we we certainly didn't have a, a lot of money, um, but you know, when you'd get a puck, you you would you'd take your old uh, jackknife and and carve your initials in it. 
just so you know, somebody didn't steal your puck. And, um, but if you would lose it in a snowbank, because some of the snowbanks were, you know, 10 feet high, in, in the springtime, everyone would be sitting there in, in the melt, and you'd be, you'd be looking for your puck or whatever it was, you know. And, and uh, sure enough, it'd be sitting there, and uh, you'd start over the next year. So Dave, what was uh, leading up to the, your draft year, like when your last year's junior, like what were you hearing behind the scenes or, you know, was there any talk about where you might go or, or anything like that? Or, uh, did, or did you go and, and do interviews and stuff with teams? No, I don't think we were, we weren't allowed to. I know, um, you know, my draft year, well, there you go. See, that's why I scored goals, the old cannonball. Push it <laughs> at the goalie and then run them. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. There was, there was a lot of talk. I know when I was 16, I was playing Alberta Junior out here, out, outside of Edmonton, Fort Saskatchewan. And, um, you know, they were talking about Gretzky and, and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, the, the general manager and one of the owners of, of Portland, Brian, Brian Shaw, he um, – there was an article and he goes, Oh, you know, I, I put Dave like second behind Gretzky. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, first of all, you know, you, you hear about, you know, this Gretzky guy and, and, uh, and then he mentions my name with it. I'm like, Holy geez, that's, you know, I'm not sure, you know, cause I, all you're doing is playing. You, you I mean, you don't know how good you are. I mean, I had some, some real good years, but, um, but you never know where, where it all fits in. I know when I was 16, my brother was still, I think he was, yeah, he was still, it was his last year in Portland and he got drafted that year. And so I, I never even realized that, and I mean, it was a dream to play in the NHL, but you know, you never realized he even had a chance until he got drafted and he started playing for St. Louis. And then I mean, that, that summer, you know, we, we've been doing hockey schools ever since. So when, since I was 17, I guess. And uh, so we'd be doing these hockey schools together. And so, you know, you do a little skating out there and, and I'm looking at him. I'm going like, like shit. You know, he's he's not that much better than I am, or or I'm, I'm either I'm getting closer or whatever it is. And and I'm thinking, geez, maybe I do have a chance. And then that 17 year old year, I went to Portland, had had a really good year. And then, you know, the 18, it was, you know, it was it was a good year also. And then you you know, even the draft, like there was always talk about because Doug Wickenheiser was in Regina, mm-hmm. and I you know we played against him all year, and he was outstanding junior. Like just he basically you know ran the league offensively and uh, just a real like classic centerman like a like a Jean Beliveau if you I mean obviously it didn't work out that way but but that's the kind of player he was and then they were talking about Denny Savard and you know so Montreal had the first pick and and nobody knew who was going where and uh, and of course you know in the back of of my mind you think okay well you know Denny's got to be going to Montreal he's you know. French kid, uh, yeah. you know, right in his backyard, and and they went with Dougie, and then Winnipeg went with me, and uh, I mean, I was just happier than hell. I, I I didn't care where I was going, you know. I mean, Winnipeg is wasn't much different than you know than Edmonton growing up, <clears throat> so I felt very comfortable there. And but I was just I I remember um, you know when I get drafted. So now there's you know big press conference. They they bring my mom and dad in, and um, so can you swear on this? Sorry. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we're at the press conference, and you know all the brasses around me, and, and my and my uh, my mom and dad are there, and and I think it was Tommy McGee. He was our coach, 
And, um, you know, he goes, Oh, you must be real excited, you know, to play your first season in the NHL. I'm like, I'm like, play my first season. I'm, I just hope I make the team. And they're all, they all started laughing. And Tommy goes, well, if you don't make the team, we're all fucking fired. You know? So, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I didn't know how to take that, you know? So, so they, uh, so, I mean, it was a little, little comforting, but, uh, but even, even so I, you know, you go to training camp and, and you're just not, you're not sure. And I remember they sent me a, you know, workout manual and back then, you know, Ricky, I'm sure you, you got one, but it was, it was a, it was a manual. I mean, there was probably 10 pages and it had all the different phases in it, you know, when to start training and so on. And I followed it to a T, but it was all, it was basically stick men. So there were it wasn't any of the pictures that they have now or all that kind of thing, but it was, you know, it was pictures of, you know, a, a stick man doing, you know, groin stretches and whatever, you know. Um, and so I followed it to a team. I was always, I was always in real good shape and I was, you know, I knew I was, I was strong enough to play and big enough to play, but uh, you know, so you follow this and then you go to camp and you see all these guys, these men that you're competing against. And I'm like, Holy shit, these guys are, you guys are freaking monsters and they're mean looking. And I'm like, Oh God, what, what's this going to be like? And as soon as you got on the ice, you know, there, there were a lot of them were, you know, because of the way, uh, where Winnipeg was, there were a lot of journeyman guys there that, that were just scraping to make a living in, in hockey. And so, so once you got on the ice, you, you know, you, you knew you had a good chance and, and you, you did belong, but, um, it, it was, it was really interesting. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that first uh, year or two, I mean, like I remember as a 19-year-old going to Birmingham, uh, uh, I can't even imagine as an 18-year-old doing that. But And the year before, Birmingham beat the shit out of every team in the WHA. And then they got rid of all their tough guys except for Dave Hansen. And the next year, everybody loaded up on tough guys and took it out on us. And uh, so it was a little difficult. But you know what? Hey, it, it – it is what it is, and you got to stick up for yourself and, and let them know that you're not going anywhere. You can try and intimidate me as much as you want, and I'm going to the front of the net. I don't give a shit whether you cross-check me or slash me or whatever. I'm going to be there. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it, it was always interesting. I remember, like, like the first game you talk about, you know, sticking up for yourself. And I didn't I didn't run around a lot, but, but if someone wanted to hit me, if I saw them coming, like, I'm going through them. I'm not going around them, and I'll I'll just you know let them know that I'm that I'm there. And I remember first game in Toronto, uh, it was a Dan Maloney. Dan Maloney yeah. was there, and yeah. you know big man, and he was you know he was a tough customer, right? Yeah and, yeah. and so I'm I'm going behind. I could I could skate pretty well, and I'm I'm you know getting behind the net coming out. I think it was it was on you know to the left side of the ice, and I I could see him coming around the other side and he's coming full speed and I'm like, Oh shit, here we go. So I, I'm going, okay, drop the shoulder. I get him right in the freaking right in the, right in the chest. And of course, you know, your heads, you know, bells are going off and, and I'm, and neither one of us fell down and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay. And then he just skates away and I'm thinking, I, I guess he felt the same as I did, you know, <laughs> But it never happened again. So which which was great, um, yeah. But but a lot a lot of things like that. Even in, I remember Philly one one time. It was uh, it was one of the first games too. Paul Paul Holmgren, he um, and it's in you know you know it's in the spectrum there. So you know what that was like that dark mm -hmm. age, oh, yeah. crazy place. And they still had a monster team. And yeah. uh, 
so he's he's coming around the net. He's not trying to, you know, the old lacrosse play, but he's he's trying to jam it in. So I I see him coming and I'm I'm coming across and I, I same thing, right? Drop the shoulder right in his chest and he falls down. I'm thinking, okay, well, here we go. And he gets up and he looks at me and I and I look at him and I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? Just the old death grip, double leg takedown, I don't know, whatever. <coughs> and then he looks at me and he skates away, and I'm like, whew. Because you know they had like like Daly and Moose Dupont and all these guys, and and then I found out after he had a bad shoulder, so that's probably why he didn't want to fight. But I was, I'm I'm glad that it, it didn't happen that way. But um, yeah, no, I, it was that was a lot of fun trying to you know find your way. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, any other highlights from your first year throughout the league? Like you're a guy from Edmonton, Alberta. You know, I mean, all of a sudden you come out. You're traveling around Nashville, all these big cities, but you know you go to Winnipeg, so it's not like you went to a big city away from that. But any highlights on or off the ice besides those couple with Maloney and Holgram? Oh yeah, well, how, my first game, first games in Washington. You know, we're we're start on the road, and um, so the you know, games going on, and we had a we had seven rookies, and we we had a real interesting team. It wasn't. We had a decent team, but not. We just couldn't figure out how to win. So the first game, it's four nothing. Is uh, there's probably I don't know five minutes left in the game, and I'm on the power play, and I, I take a slapper right on the ice. Mike Palmatier is in net, and I, you know, I score. Well, all of a sudden, all, all the guys are jumping on me, you know, and I'm like, guys, are you not looking at the freaking score? Oh, there you go. That's probably the one. No, <laughs> well, that was Jersey, I guess, but. Uh, but anyway, so I scored my, my first game, and I'm thinking, oh, shit, can't be that hard, you know. And um, But anyway, I you know, so Mike Palmatier was was nice enough to let a goal in for me, and uh, we lost 4-1. But like I said, the guys were real happy for me, and, it, you know, it was, uh, that was uh, that was nice to see. And uh, But like I said, the, the goal production kind of dropped off after that uh, for the first year. I think I won. I think I don't know what I get six, maybe something like that. I, I'd have to look at the stats. But anyway, yeah, six. Well, you were a goddamn defenseman. You, you're not supposed to. Back then, you weren't supposed to score. <laughs> yeah, thirty-eight well, helpers, by the way. So that's not too bad. Yeah, no, it was it was a decent year, but we you know we had like we had a tough season. I think we what did we win nine games that year? I think we set a record. Tommy McVie, I think, had had the record a couple years in a row because he got fired from Washington and and. Uh, I think they were at 14, so we really, we really put a dent in that one the next year <laughs> for him. Now, were you still in? Were you still in Winnipeg when Dan Maloney came there to coach? Uh, no, no, I, I was, I was oh. just, I just left then. Yeah, because I remember we went into Winnipeg and we lost ten nothing to you guys, and Dan Maloney was coaching us. We fly home the next day. We get. We land, or before we get off the plane, he says, everybody right straight to the gardens. We go there. We skate for two and a half hours without pucks. Then we have to watch the entire game, and we kept rewinding it and rewinding it. I think we got home about 8 o'clock that night. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. Like, but, that I mean, that's the way it was back then. Yeah. Well, you, it happened a lot of times over the years, didn't it? At least the oh, first yeah. half of our careers, you know, and then I think some some of the coaches either they they softened up or you know they just couldn't do it anymore. It just didn't look good. But 
Yeah, first year stuff. I'm just trying to think what what. what uh, oh, there was there was a lot of creep. Well, how about this one? So, first year also. You know, I was big Beatles fan growing up, and um, so I'm we're we're heading on to first trip to New York, and the night before, I remember driving home, uh, and we were leaving first thing in the morning. Well, they announced John Lennon's was shot, and so. Like I said, first time to New York, and I'm thinking, okay, well, this, I mean, it was going to be an experience, you know, anyway. But we, um, so we, we get on the bus from the airport and we're, we're driving, you know, to the hotel down in Manhattan. And, uh, well, they, they had to, there were some detours here or there. We drove right by the Dakota where, where he was shot. And it was just, it was kind of, it, it kind of put everything in kind of perspective of what, what New York was at the time. And, uh, you know, some of the things that go on there all, and really it just, you know, as a, as a young kid, you're just like, Oh my God, like this is a, you know, world events are happening here. And, you know, unfortunately now it just, it's, it, we're almost numb to some of these things, but, uh, but it was, uh, that was another eye opener. They're in the big city now. And, um, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was December 8th, 1980. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right in there. It was like I said. Like I said, being a big fan, it was it was shocking just to hear it. But then when you're when you're driving by the next day, or some some event like that happened, it was. Uh, yeah. Well, let's yeah, speak about a positive. Let's speak about a positive one. The arrival of Dale Howardchuck and Serge Savard sounds kind of dumb asking this now, but how big an impact did they have on your development? Number one, and I guess where I'm going with this, did they take some of the pressure off you with a number one coming in and a Hall of Famer? along for the ride, sort of just now spreading that out with you there as the top pick uh, the year before? Yeah. Well, well, you know, Dale, we, we had some, we had some good players, um, you know, before Dale too. Like, you know, you had Dave Christian, Thomas Dean came the same year as, mm -hmm. as, as Dale. And, and so, you know, we, we had some legitimate players, Paul McLean. Um, but when Dale came there, he, he kind of solidified our whole offensive structure. And, uh, and then in doing that, you know, then obviously the defensively, you could relax a little bit because, you know, you had the, you had the puck, you know, you know, a more, higher percentage of what you did the year before. Uh, but yeah, Dale was special player. I mean, it, it was, he's like one of those players where, you know, if you were open, he was going to find you and all you had to do is get open at the right time. He would find you. And, and same with him. Like, you, you know, you could pass it to him in tight spots. He would pick it up and and do wonders with it. Where where a lot of guys, you know, it'd, it'd be going off there. You'd put it on their tape, and and of course, you know, they're they're not be able to play it because there's just too much traffic. But but Dale's a special player. I mean, special guy too. Um, you know, hard to say enough about him to, to give him the credit he he, he certainly deserves. Uh, uh, but you know, and then talking about Serge, well, <laughs> Serge. So anyway, so. Remember, I was telling you, like our, the first year we had seven rookies, and I think when let's see, there's probably four that were four or five that were demon, and um, so when they when Fergie John Ferguson announced that you know Serge was had signed and is coming over, you know we're all sitting there because we had this little lounge. It was like a, you know it was like where Mister Coffee was and where guys would you know bring the bagels in every every day, and and we so we just kind of hang out, and so we're we're, we're hearing this news and. And we're sitting there, and honestly, this is this is the conversation. Who who the hell needs some old bastard like this 
think I'm, you know, come and take somebody's spot. And you're so that's how that's how stupid we were. Not that we we, we knew how uh, good of a player he was, you know, back in the day, but we just didn't realize kind of the impact it would it would have. And and it just, you know, I guess just being naive. So all of a sudden he shows up and, you know, big man, you know, mm-hmm. big presence, and uh, he gets on the ice and 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 he's. You know, he could still play like he was, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you see the, you know, the spinoramas and then, you know, scoring off those and, you know, how tough he was. Like he wasn't a, he wasn't running around, but he, this guy, this guy was a big man, tough man, he knew what he was doing, but just a class guy too. So, so we're, I'm living with Mo Manta. We're both the same age. He was the second round pick and, uh, and Mo was one of the ones that we we're, you know, I was talking about where we we're going like, what the hell we need him for? <laughs> and uh, so Mo's dad played in the American League. And uh, so Mo, Mo and I, we, you know, back in high school, I'm smoking, you know, I'm not, not, not a lot, but just, you know, you're out golfing or fishing, you're smoking Colts, you know, the old wine dipped. And so yeah. Mo started bringing in these, these, the, the lo- these longer ones that you could get at the border. And they were probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe 50 cents each. But anyway, so we're smoking these. So, Serge comes in and he's got, you know, you know, pocket full of Monte Cristos and, and, you know, he, he, he says, so he goes, what in the world are you guys doing smoking that? And he goes, no, 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 no. So he pulls out the Monte Cristos and it's just like, okay, here, no, no, you, you're smoking these now. And we're like, okay, well, first of all, we can't afford those. So I hope you have a lot. And, uh, uh, but, but anyway, so he would, he would start taking us out and, and, you know, so we'd go to dinners with him. And, you know, back then, you know, you get your per diem and I, what it was like 35 bucks, 25 bucks a day or something like that. So, so, you know, you're scrambling and you're thinking like, I, I want to make sure I don't spend any more money than my per diem. So, you know, you could find any restaurant and you're just trying to fill your belly. So, you know, uh, nutritional needs weren't top of the list. It was just more how to, how to fill, fill your stomach. And he'd go, no, 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 no. So we're, now we're going to all the best steak places and we're, you know, filet mignon, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and this and that. And then of course he goes, you know, back then, you know, if you, if you, if you, you know, if you're with your gal, you're, you're drinking like uh, blue nun or Hochstaller or whatever, or baby duck or whatever. You think, you think there's some big shot. He goes, no, 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 no. Here's a nice, you know, French cab or whatever. So now you're drinking all this stuff. And, and he basically just, he just taught you, you know, how to appreciate the finer things in life that go along with the whole thing. It wasn't like he was, he, he was over and above or he thought he was more special. He just, he just goes, listen, guys, just, just soak it in. This is your job. You do your job, but, but you have to enjoy everything that goes along with it, you know? Um, but I, I, you know, a, a, a terrific guy too, like just unbelievable. The, the things he taught you on and off the ice. And, and even to this day, I run into him every every couple of years and I mean, the bugger hasn't changed. I mean, I, I've changed a little bit since my playing days, but, but he, he hasn't changed. And, and I don't know what the hell a secret is. Maybe, maybe it is the cigars and red wine, but um, maybe I should try more of it or, or less of it. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, those things were so, so appreciated. Uh, and like I said, we were so wrong and thinking like, what, why is this guy coming? But, but that year we made the playoffs. I think our, we, our, our points, you know, team points, probably jump by 45 or, or 50, 50 points from the year before. So see, am I holding him in that picture? 
Oh, yeah. You, you got your arm right underneath his arm. Yeah. I think maybe he was holding me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you there wasn't a penalty called, though. Oh, no. No, no. No, never. You know what? You mentioned Serge Savard, though. He comes from an organization, first of all, that are first class. And also the French tradition. I mean, they love their their wine and their special dinners and everything else. I can tell you that from experience because my father was French and even though they didn't, we didn't have a lot of money. He made sure that, you know, the meals were, were really good and they drank nice wine, not the cheap, cheap stuff, but not the real expensive stuff. So I know where Serge came from and I know exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, like, and I agree with them, like soak it in guys, like enjoy it because you know, you, you only get so much enjoyment out of this game uh, as a player. So you got to soak it up and, and enjoy it. Yeah. There's one other thing I like this. This is how Serge, so he came in and this is how he prepared for a game. So he'd come in, go to the training room. He'd have his newspaper and he would have a, like a burnt out cigar. So he, well, he could, cause he couldn't smoke cigars in the dressing room. So he'd be sitting there on the table and so he's reading the paper, got a cigar in his mouth. He would take two heat packs and put them on the top of his legs for about 10 minutes. Then he would, he would take the heat packs, put them underneath his legs, sit there for another 10 minutes, and then he'd get dressed and go out and play. That, that, was, his, that was his prep. But, but he did it every, every, every game, and, God, he was a special player. I'm, I'm certainly, you know, that's one of the guys I, I'm certainly glad I got to play with for sure. Fantastic. Well, I want to I want to go back to the other gentleman, Dale Howardshuck, because um, he was a very special person and, and a very special player. I got to play with him in Buffalo. He was actually my roommate for two years in Buffalo. He lived about four doors down from me. Our kids grew up together, and unfortunately, he's not with us uh, anymore, which was very very sad. Uh, I saw him. I want to say probably about three months before he passed away in Brampton. My son was in with Cincinnati playing against the Brampton Beast, and he was, his son was on Brampton, and, and I met him in the stands. And It was a sad day when, when he went, but uh, what a great individual because he was my roommate, and uh, we, we were together all the time in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's 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 hard to put in the words what 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 he meant for everyone. Also, and I know even now, you know, they're you know they're still carrying on with his the golf tournaments that he was, mm-hmm. you know, that meant a lot to him. You know, to give back to you know Toronto and the Muskoka area, um, and even into Winnipeg. I know they're they're doing it there again, and and you know, it's just nice that uh, you know the family and the organization. I mean, are they they've invited me to to these and, and you yourself there, Rick. And, um, you know, it's nice. I mean, because he's done so much and it would be a shame for, for his legacy to, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of slow down because it, he meant so much in those communities and, in, you know, Barry and, and so on, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that it's, you know, it's, it's easy for us to, at least to, to do our part, to, to keep it moving forward. Yeah. Well, 
one guy we've never heard too many bad words said about anybody who's ever played with him or against him. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, just uh, legacy of a guy will live on forever. And uh, I'm sure he's in the hearts of every hockey player who ever had the pleasure of playing with him or against him or for him as a junior. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Now, let's get to this part of the story. Your team comes off the best season ever in Winnipeg. You're an all-star. And all of a sudden, in 85, they move you for a new field to Hartford. How did that day go down for you? And did you have any idea that was coming? No, no, not really. Not, not really. I, and, uh, you know, I think I had a decent start to the year. And, I, and I, that, that game, when, when they traded me, I think we, we won. So Barry Long was our coach. And Barry, Barry goes after the game, you know, so I'm, I think I was shaving or, or whatever. And, and he goes, hey, Babs, you know, Fergie wants to see. And I'm, and I start thinking, I'm going, geez, my contract's not up. And I don't think he's going to give me a raise. And so I, I, but still, I had no idea. I had no idea. So I go up there and, and Fergie, um, and I know Fer, Fergie liked me and I like Fergie. He was, he was a terrific guy too. Um, and he goes, um, you know, Dave, we traded you to Hartford. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? And the only thing I could think of, well, first I said, well, um, there's two questions. I said, well, who did I get traded for? He says, well, I, you know, I, I, I can't say that because it, it still has to go through the league and all that kind of stuff. And I go, okay. And then, then I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. I'm standing there and I go, well, can I at least have my jersey? And he's, he's like, he had to think about it. He's like, Oh, geez, I don't know. You know, yeah, okay. I guess you can. You can take your juice. I'm like, and I didn't know what to do. And he goes, well, um, he goes, uh, Emil Francis will will call you, uh, you know, when you get home. And and now now you just you have nothing in common really with Winnipeg. Other, you know, I mean, because you, you know now you're going down in the dressing room and and some of the guys are still lingering around. Of course, they're they're wondering what's going on and and. You know whether they was as shocked as me, but I, um, I I think they were because. So what happened is, uh, so I get traded to Hartford, and Emil Francis wants me to get there the next day, the next morning. So I'm, you know, it's like Rick, yeah, you're forget the family. You're just hey, get the hell out of here. We want you here tomorrow. So like earliest flight. Uh, so I get to Hartford. Now I find out that the team's not even there for two days. <laughs> so, so now I'm sitting in the in the Sheridan at the civic center, you know, thumb up my rear end. And I'm not, I don't know what to do. I don't know anyone there. Um, there's nothing to do. You know, downtown Hartford is, you know, after five o'clock, it's a ghost town. And um, so now I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to call me because nobody, nobody's around. And I think, you know, I probably, you know, made about 20 collect calls to my parents, <laughs> but that's about it. Um, and, and then, you know, so anyway, so the first game that I'm playing, who do you think's in town? Winnipeg. Oh no! <laughs> and um, so, so the game starts, and you know, all of a sudden, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I told, you know, Jack Evans, who was our coach, I said, you know, if you don't have to play me this game, you know, don't. He goes, I have to, and and it just felt that that bad because everything was so fresh. Uh, so anyway, the game's going on. And I remember, you know, going on the ice after a shift, you know, you're changing on the go. I tried to jump in the Winnipeg bench because that's how pressure <laughs> was. So I got one leg over and then I'm looking, I'm like, oh, shit, I better, I better go to the other one. It doesn't, it doesn't look that good. 
and and he and we we blew them out because they, I think most of the guys there just didn't really want to play it either, and uh, uh, we won. I think it was eight one, and so I, I'm on the power play, and I'm thinking, you know, the last thing I want to do is freaking score any points or do any. So it's it's like seven one, and it's it's probably a couple minutes left in the game, and I get I get a shot. Somebody passes to me right at right in the top of the umbrella. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to take a shot. I'll try to shoot it in the corner. Well, what happens? It goes off somebody's skate, <laughs> hits, hits one of our guys and goes in. And I'm like, I'm like, come on. Like, it's just, just goofy. But um, yeah, it was an interesting trade. I mean, poor Noof, like, you know, Ray, a real good guy. But, uh, you know, he gets he get straight to Winnipeg. He just got crucified. But the year before, I think he's got 30 goals in Hartford. So, which isn't a bad thing, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure if the if the trade really worked out for for Winnipeg, but um, but it worked out good for me. My 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 wife's from Hartford, and um, you know, it's Hartford. Hartford treated me really well, uh, but so did Winnipeg. You know. So now, and you end up again. You get moved again. You get exposed in the 91 expansion draft, but you end up in Vancouver. First supposed to be Minnesota and end up in Vancouver. So talk about how that all went down. And were you just thinking this is just part of the business? Well, you know what? At that My last year in, in Hartford, I had wrist surgery and, and where they fused my wrist together. And um, so I, I don't think they they knew how it was going to turn out because it was it was a new type of surgery. And... Um, uh, you know, so Minnesota picks me up, and I'm so I'm. I, I guess technically I was there a couple couple weeks, and then uh, uh, Pat Quinn takes a chance and makes. I think it was a three way deal with Tom Curvers and uh, Ludwig, I think, and um, you know, so go to Vancouver, and I, I remember, you know, going there, and you know, Pat Pat calls me, and goes, listen, we know you're going to be okay. You don't. You don't have to be offensive. You just. We just need you to play solid and do your thing. And and I think that kind of gave, uh, you know, a little bit of relief too, because you know the expectations were just, hey, you, you know, you're you're part of the puzzle, and and uh, we're trying to build something here. I knew they had a good team because they they made a bunch of trades before that the year before, that uh, kind of changed the franchise. So it was a good place to be, and um, not that I wanted to leave leave Hartford, but, um, you know, it worked out great. It was funny. You talk about the trades and like, I remember being traded first of all, from Toronto to Chicago and like three days before camp. And I like, I'm up North at a golf tournament. I got to drive back to Toronto, pack up, leave the next day. I don't see my, my wife and kid till October. And then the same thing when I got traded from Chicago to Buffalo the day after Christmas, I don't see them until February 4th. And I'm like, but, and I, you know, if you look at today, they give them like a week or week and a half to get all their things in order and then show up. And with us, it was just, you're on a plane and you're gone and your, your wife or uh, whatever has to do all the work at home, sell the house, get the movers and everything. Yeah, no, it's, it, it... Yeah, it was back then. If you didn't have a strong, a strong person at home to handle these mm-hmm. things, you know, you you could be miserable 
pretty quick, you know, and, um, and you, I mean, you see it happen too. I mean, you see where guys, uh, you know, either they refuse a trade or, or, and you know, it's not because of them. It's more because of some of the heat they're taking at home and, and rightfully so, you know, it's, it's not a, certainly not a perfect profession in, in, in that regard. Um, but, uh, you better, yeah, sometimes it's, uh, you got to make decisions, not, not necessarily based on that. On the cover, right? You know. <laughs> well, we just uh, we've got a couple of minutes left here, Dave. We want to go through a couple of things here further with you. Now, besides Serge Zavard, who exemplifies this to a T, was there anybody else or any other guys who you looked at as the consummate pro or pros who carried themselves the right way both on and off the ice? Oh, there's a ton of ton of people. Um, well, you know, first of all, you were you're talking about Pat Quinn. I mean, as a as a coach and a manager you know what he just he understood first of all what he wanted from his players but he understood what the players were going through and he he never forgot it he never abused it um so i think you know something like that you know the mutual respect uh with someone like that was was something special it's not that you didn't get it from from other places because you know whether it was the general manager but, but he was both the coach and a general manager so you know he wore two hats and he and he wore them really well other places, you might have a great GM, and the coach was a freaking jackass, or or vice versa. And you know what? And yeah. that's just the way it is. You know, you but but you know, as a player, you you want to be coached, and um, you know, you you take you take their word for for how how they want to steer the ship. Um, yeah, he was a special special guy. You know, Emil Francis, same thing. Great general manager. You know, I had a lot of. A lot of great coaches. You know who I really respected was Roger Nielsen in Philadelphia. And I only had him for, for one year. But for someone that never played the game, how organized he was and how he, you know, how he understood the game and by not playing. Like, it was um, it was amazing. Like, you know, even as, you know, they called him Captain Video. But at that time, everything was so refined. Like, you, you, your meetings were no more than 10 minutes long. You went over everything. You knew exactly what to expect, and 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 like I said, he was he was one of the the only guys that wrote me a letter after I got traded from Philly to L.A. And uh, he certainly didn't have to do that, but it was handwritten, and you know, just, like I said, just uh, just a terrific guy. But for players, geez, there's a, there's a ton of guys like um, you know in Vancouver here. I I hung out a lot with Martin Jelena, who who and and we we worked out together in, in the summertime and you know, work ethic and just a, you know, class guy, um, you know, good friend still, you know, and, and, uh, you know, another guy, Igor Larionov, you know, mm-hmm. he w- wasn't, wasn't here a long time, but just, um, the way he carried himself and how good he was, like, I still classify him as top five centermen I've, I've ever seen or played with or played, played against. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, but, but as a person, and I know, I know he's Russian. That might might be a little, little sensitive. But but Igor was one of those guys. Just to, like I said, class guy. Um, you know, you talk about Dale. You know, if, if to get open, if you were open, you better expect the puck because it was coming. No matter if it's a backhand, yeah. forehand. You know, he's not looking at you. Whatever. Uh, just a just special special uh, player and, and work ethic too. Like just a uh, small, smaller guy, but tough as nails. My God, it's, uh, you know, like, and I'm, listen, I'm probably leaving out a hundred guys that I played with and no, which, which is unfortunate. Um, 
but those, you know, you know, a lot of people like that, you know, re you really, yeah. yeah, respect. Those are a couple of good ones. Yeah. Well, they stand out from your days playing with them, and it's kind of like they're ingrained in your mind that what they were as players and, and how they carried themselves. And, and that's something that you don't forget, I don't think. No, no, I don't. I don't think so either. And you know what? I should I should mention because I don't know if Tom Fergus. Well, you know, you know Ferg, don't you? Yeah, we know. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. Ferg. I mean, we we played we played here together also in Vancouver, and uh, Ferg was kind of easygoing guy. I, one of the best lines I've ever heard. And and whether anyone thinks it's funny or not, he was. So we're we're you know the start of the game, and we would drive to the rink together because we lived right next to each other, and. Um, so all of a sudden, getting ready for the game, and Ferg, Ferg goes up for warm-up. He's not playing. And I go, Ferg, what happened? Did you, did you hurt yourself? And he goes, yeah, yeah, worst injury in hockey, broken heart. <laughs> so they sat him, you know. <laughs> but but that, was kinda, that was kind of Ferg in a nutshell there. You know, good player, but uh, yeah, didn't, didn't play with him long enough. Well, I'm funny, I got, I got to play with him. as a, He was my sentiment for a bit, and uh, – you know, he, he's the first guy today that, that'll even mention that. I mean, he had so much talent, and he was a big, strong guy. But he's the first guy that will admit, I was lazy, he said. And that I go, what do you mean? You were lazy? He goes, yeah, I, I didn't. He says, I don't think I really gave everything I had my whole career. And I and and you watch him play, and you think to yourself, you know, God, yeah, he could have been a hell of a lot better player. Well, he could have had one of the top ten wrist shots I've ever seen. Oh, big Crazy. time, yeah. He, he still does. Probably a little better, but uh, you know, uh, no, but but you're, yeah, you're right. But but you know what? I think I think all of us could could look back at that and uh, and go, you know, could we have done more? Yeah. Maybe, but but you don't know at the time you're. You know, you think you're you're 110, but sometimes uh, it just needed more. Uh, I I got to tell you what what I know you you guys are so I, I did I did something like this. It was more of an interview, and it was it was Paul Coffey and myself. And I you know I've known Coffey for since we're we're younger, and and so we're doing this, and so so Coffey is where where you would be Rick, and and I'm I'm beside him where 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 Mike would would be, and and so we're sitting here like this. I'm down in the basement here, so just. You know, it's not an I love Dave room, but so Koff is in his in his office, and on on the one side here, oh, hang on, right? So one side here, there's like four Stanley Cups, <laughs> and on the other side, there's like a Norris and whatever else. And I'm like, I said to Koff, I go, Hey, Koff, can can you just turn your computer a little bit? Because you, you know, I, I I'm feeling bad about myself here, <laughs> <You know? laughs> underachiever, you know. So. Uh, Oh, it was uh, it was pretty impressive, but it, uh, it, it yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't turn the computer if that was my stuff. But. No. Now no. we're gonna as we've come up, but on the show a lot, uh, Dave. We've talked about guys like Alex McGillney, Pierre Turgeon, Steve Larmer, Jr., and so on. Not in the hall. Any from your era that you come to mind from guys you played with that should be there? Well, Big Al should be for sure. McGillney. Oh God, he. Mm -hmm. he, he, he came here and, and just lit it up. Um, and that's when I think Bury got, got injured and, and, and Al took over, but I mean, it's just a scary talent. And, and he played hard, you know, mm -hmm. there, I mean, everyone thought that, you know, he kind of floated through, but that, that's not the case. And, you know, I know those, 
you know, some of those Russian scorers, you know, even now I, I was talking to him about it one time and he goes, listen, we, we, we grew up where our centerman was supposed to get us a puck where we, we could have a chance to score. And if we didn't score, we're the ones that got in trouble. And, and so he would, he would just, it'd be like a shark just lurking, waiting. And when he had a chance, most more, more than not, it was in the net. If it was a good chance. Mm -hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, Pavel was the same, but, 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 you know, I, I think Al gets a bad rap. I, I know Al told me one story too, when, when he, uh, he, you know, he, he had a contract dispute and he was out, out of training camp and our first road trip, once he signed, it was our first game and we were in San Jose. So we're sitting there in the room and, uh, I said, Al, geez, you must've, you must've been nervous, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. He goes, yeah, he goes, yeah, real nervous. I was, I was in Santa Monica and, um, at lunch, I was wondering if I was going to have red or white. <laughs> you know, and that's going to but his attitude wasn't like that when he was playing. But off, you know, off the ice, he was like that. He was just easy going, and you know, that's. Uh, I got to play with him, and I got to play with him in Buffalo, Dave. And I've been asked so many times, like, like who's the best player you ever played with or against? And you think of Gretzky, you think of Lemieux, you think. But I think the best overall player that I ever played with or against was McGillney. I never saw a guy that could go full speed like he could with the puck and make things happen. And, I mean, for the life of me, I can't understand why he's not in the Hall of Fame with the numbers that he put up in, in, in uh, the National Hockey League. Yeah, no, they're, they're – out of that list, I mean, he would be number one for sure, and it's it would be a joke if he's not. It really would be because that's uh, yeah. He must have pissed somebody off, or but I but I hope that's not the case because you know what, yeah. no matter what what people think of of anyone, you know their numbers or what they have done in that particular thing, they're uh, they should be rewarded for it. Yeah. You know, well, the press. The pressure liked him in Toronto because he would always come up with a good quote. I remember the one time they, they were always hounding him and asking in Toronto, you know, they can ask some pretty dumb questions. So they asked him one time how he was doing after a bad loss. And he said, well, my hemorrhoids are acting up quite severely here this morning. Would you have a look? I'd like to have a look at them. <laughs> I walked away. Well, I got a funny, funny thing on Alex. So we're in Buffalo. We're coming back from L.A. Now, I sat with Alex on the planes because I don't like flying, but he was worse than me, so I felt good when I was sitting beside him. So we're flying back from, from L.A. We have to stop in Detroit, change planes to Buffalo. We go to the gate, the new gate. We're waiting, we're waiting, and the plane gets there. We're all ready to board. And so everybody's looking around. Where's Alex? He took a bus from Detroit to Buffalo. And then the guy that was the helper in Rochester with the trainers, he drove him to the, the, the rest of the games on the road in a car, and Alex was sleeping in the back seat. Like, yeah. Well, Dave, before we let you go, one, la one final thing here. We always go through. The, you've talked about a couple of the funny guys you play with. What about some of the pranksters? And maybe give us an example of one. Did you ever got taken on? or one? We've had so many good ones. Well, they're okay. I, 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 just, I just told somebody this yesterday. And, it, and it's, there's a, I mean, there's a shitload of them. But so 
my, my rookie year. So I lived with Mo Mantha. We, we stayed on the road together too. So in, in Mo's first contract, he got, um, he got the team to pay for one pair of cowboy boots. <laughs> I guess you know, they, they were underpaying him. So, so we, we go to Denver, and this is when the Rockies were, were, were there. And we go to Denver, and I'm thinking, okay, Mo, you get your cowboy boots. I, I, I'm looking for some either cowboy hat or whatever, coat. And so we go to this place called Shepler's, and it's a huge warehouse full of all this stuff. And we're, it's like kids in a candy store. So he gets his boots, and I, I find this cowboy hat. It's like the one you dream of. It's like a Clint Eastwood one, but you know, you know, it's it's perfect. So I, I buy this thing, and Mo buys one too. And so so anyway, we go back. Uh, the next morning, we're late for the bus. So assistant coach phones, hey, you guys, bus is leaving in two minutes. Get the hell down here. So all of a sudden, now we're scrambling. So now you know, I had hair then. It's all over the place. <laughs> so what do I do? I put my cowboy hat on and go to practice. Well, that went well. And, and, you know, when you're younger, you know, you're, you're first on the ice, you're last off the ice. And so, and we had a bunch of, like I said, journeyman guys and, uh, you know, underwear cut every day, socks cut. But anyway, so, so I'm getting off the ice and there was a few guys still hanging around and, um, and a few of the guys were just sitting there watching. So all of a sudden, you know, I shower up, get your suit on and I go to put my hat on. Somebody can open the whole thing. So when I put it on, it went right over my ears and I'm like, ah. you know, a couple hundred dollar hat. And you think, okay, that's, it's my dream hat, but um, I guess we deserved it. But anyway, I, th- I thought that one was pretty good. That's a pretty good one. Squid final thoughts before we let Dave go. Well, I think getting to those pranks, uh, the, the best one I ever saw was the guys putting the baby powder in the, in the uh, blow dryer. And the one time that somebody did it, Harold was in the shower, Ballard, and we came off the ice and someone went around the corner and they saw him reaching for the hairdryer. <laughs> oh, my God. So they like we got about eight guys coming around the corner to, to watch Harold. And all of a sudden he turns it off. <laughs> There's baby powder all over Harold, and all he did was laugh. He thought it was the funniest joke, prank. That uh, I mean, here he is, this old owner of ours, laughing and having a good time because we pulled a prank on, or he thought we pulled a prank on him, but it wasn't meant for him. <laughs> that is pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, I remember Jimmy Thompson telling us that he was getting pranked in L.A. a lot, so he thought he'd get somebody back with the baby powder and a hair dryer. And guess who picks it up? 99. And sprays himself, and he thought, I'm, my career's over. I'm getting sent to the minors. I'm going to be involved. But Gretzky took it in good humor. All the guys to pick the one up, he picks it up and got him. Well, well Dave, we want to uh, thank you. Oh, go ahead. Have you got one oh, final thought? No, no, no. I, I say you have to because, you know, sooner or later you'll get them back, but you just got to pick your spots, right? You yeah. pick your spots. <laughs> hey, so Dave, one more shot. Uh, so the spices, they're going to be called uh, Babbage Brothers Spices, yep. and they'll spices. be coming out when? How can people uh, get a hold of them? coming out pretty quick here, probably in a month or two. Yeah. Oh. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure of the exact stores, but there's there's going to be some uh, larger larger stores that will be picking it up. So. And I'll, have wine, you, I'll, have, I'll have to send you my address so you can send me some of those spices. <laughs> oh yeah, well, as soon as I get the the you know 
what is it, the, the Squid and Ultimate Leaf Fan Show t-shirt. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, yeah, funny, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen yeah. those either, uh, Dave. Uh, <laughs> no, there hasn't been any. We, we haven't had any of those yet. So that, oh, I guess that's next. When we get to 100 shows, Dave, we're going to start selling merch. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think we, yeah, Mike, I yeah. think that's a good idea. Yeah, for our 100th anniversary. So we'll get you one, Dave, for sure. All now, right. what about the wine? The wine is Babbage Estate Wines. And yeah, the it's, name? It's at, it, you can find it at Desert Hills Winery in, in Oliver, B.C. Okay, so it's okay. Okay, I'm right not now. sure I'm going to be in Oliver, B.C. anytime soon, but... Uh, uh, you know, they'll, they'll mail it well, up. As long as it's not again, I, Canada or anything. So we're, we're then saying? again, I don't drink anyway, so... Well, I got a bunny of mine that lives in Kelowna, so he, maybe he'll be out that way one day. Oh, yeah. Not not oh. far away, for sure. Well, Dave, listen, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Some great insights, great stories, great career. Good luck with everything moving forward. And just thanks for joining us today. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's great uh, seeing you, Mike. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys continue to thousand.